Every great company, every great brand, every great career has been built in exactly the same way, bit by bit, step by step, little by little. Seth Godin, the author of Mission Marketing, said that. We hear of success stories. Maybe we hear the beginning. They started off in the garage, and now they're a multi-million or billion-dollar company. But how often do we hear the steps involved, the bits involved? You're not going to hear that in an hour documentary of any company. And the problem is, if that is what we see as success, simply wanting something, believing in it, having a passion for it, and then waiting for it to happen, there's a strong likelihood we'll be disappointed. Emily Aborn is my guest in this conversation. It's the second time she's joined me, and I'm happy to share her with you as the owner, operator, and moderator of an online and in-person women's business network group called She Built This. I have watched Emily change and grow, not just her business, but her perspective. And in having this conversation with her, it actually reinforced my determination to reach out for my goals. If you are one of those people who manifest, speak to the universe about what you want and are able to sit back and embrace it coming to you, that's great. But if you are like me, if you have what you if you have what you call dreams, big dreams, big visions, ideas, and you allow the voice in your head or the external voices around you to keep you from reaching for them and then see that it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The voice may say, who do you think you are? Do you really think someone is going to pay for these services, pay you for these services? Why would they pay you? Why would this idea of yours work? If it was a good idea, someone else would be doing it by now. And in those feelings of doubt and insecurity, we do what we call being rational. We become rational with ourselves. Now, of course, there is balance. Of course, if we have goals, we should have a plan to get there. But that's the whole thing. Bit by bit, step by step, little by little, moving toward your goals. And if that seems too far a reach for you, if you have found yourself disappointed in the past, please listen to this conversation and then share your opinions. Help other people to see where you are and where you want to be and what we can do to help you get there. Enjoy this conversation with Emily Aborn. I was so excited for this opportunity because I think it was in the summer you and I were talking about a book project that you were working on. And during that project, you had given a lot of thought to reaching goals. And, and then, of course, came this term that's become so popular, manifesting. There is a way of reaching goals. And that sometimes the way it's understood, this whole manifestation thing can be difficult for some of us to wrap our head around. What was the book project like so that you were able to start thinking about this. Okay. Well, first of all, thanks for having me again. Yeah. Um, and Lisa and I have been trying to record this, I think like three times now. So third time is the charm. It's great. Yeah. So when you ask about like how it went or like how it, it came from me, it didn't come from me. It came from her. It was all her words. You know what I mean? Like it is a hundred percent her words. I'm just sort of like tying them together into a cohesive big picture, if that makes sense. It does. Yes. And so in doing that, it was in that project that you started or you gave a lot of thought to what was it reaching goals, being able to manifest goals? What was it that kind of sat with you? Yeah. I mean, this specifically was talking about manifesting money, happiness, love, like those kinds of things. And yeah. So, so, you know, as I wrote it. I kind of like went through everything myself too. And I think like a big piece of it was 
tapping into your desire. Like, what do you really want? What do you really desire? And I don't, I actually am glad we're doing like, I'm glad the way this all worked out and it's happening now. I went through a couple of my, um, journals over the weekend from years ago. And I looked at some of the things I desired and I was like, Oh wow. Like I don't have those desires anymore. And they weren't really like true desires. They were kind of like light, you know, like goals, light, Okay. So to speak, so to speak. And I kind of like looked at the ones that lasted, which I would say those are like my true goals, my true desires. You know what I mean? Like the ones that have been inside of me since I was like little, um, and they've really like gone the distance. So it starts really there, like getting really clear on like, what is your true desire? And that can feel really overwhelming to people, I think, because we feel a lot of like, oh my God, I need clarity. I need to know my purpose, my mission. If you're quiet with yourself and you're really honest, where do you really want to be? You know, what do you really want your life to look like? And that's the essence of it, you know? Yeah. And I think you're right that it is really difficult. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you think it's so hard for us to be able to just know that? It seems like it should come pretty naturally, but it doesn't. Well, first of all, I think that there's a lot of pressure to know what you should, or there's a lot of things that we should be wanting and should be doing, you know, like you should want to grow and scale your business in this way and do what everybody else is doing in this way. And it's like, that's not for everybody. Like personally for my writing business, I don't want employees. I I mean, I say that now, but I really truly do feel like that. Like maybe that happens for another business. Um, but I don't really want to scale my business to the point where I have people working for me. And so that's what I should want. You know, that's what I should be doing maybe, (laughs) but that's not really for me. So I think it's about getting honest and being like, all right, where do I, where is the line drawn where people are telling me what I should be wanting? And this is actually what I really want. And the other thing is, I mean, this goes back to like when we were 18 and we had to like choose our life path when we're 18 years old. And I don't know about you, but I did not choose anything that has to do with anything I am doing now. <laughs> no, no. Um, so there's just like so much pressure on us, like choosing like the one thing when in reality, your life takes twists and turns every single day and gets you in different directions. And, and I think at the heart of hearts, you know, you have like a big sort of feeling of what you want to do. Like you want to help people be seen and, and step into who they really are. Like that's your like big picture, you know? And it just comes down to like, well, what are the mechanisms I'm using right now to help people get there? Yes. I had just had a conversation with a woman in North Carolina and she had done a total shift in her career. We say pivot. She really pivoted. I would say 180 degrees from corporate to this. It's a type of yoga I had never heard of, but the important part of it was exactly what you just said, recognizing that every decision she had made that led her to where ultimately she should not have been, did not fulfill her, started when she was very young and people started saying, so what are you going to be when you grow up? And that that pressure of the expectation yeah. And how that muddies it. And it's not a bad question. It's not bad to ask, to ask young people what their goals are and what they would like to do. But when society or our own pressures kind of put it in stone so that it can never be changed or altered, then, then you're, you know, living this life that doesn't fit. And that's most certainly, I think how it feels. And I think that's how it feels for a lot of people when it comes to even their career goals or their marriage goals, or, you know, they're like, I am stuck in this because this is what I wanted. But I think we just don't realize that there's a lot of flexibility with that throughout our lives. Yes. So what else after you were thinking about that through working with this book? And and you seem like somebody who would be, who would ponder these things anyway, but because (laughs) you were working in this book, I'm sure that it, it probably just brought some thoughts up. What else did it make you think about? Um, and, and I think I had the advantage also of, I was sort of working with Casey Matthews as my coach, not sort of, I was working with Casey Matthews as my coach at the same time. So I had a lot of the advantage of like her helping me to tap into my desires at the same time, you know? Um, 
and really shining a light on the possibility. Like, I think that's the other thing that we get hung up with. We're like, okay, this is what I want. And this is the pretty much the only way I can get there, you know, but when we open it up to possibility, like anything could happen, (laughs) it's just very exciting. And you're like, oh, okay. There's so many different ways to get to where I want to go and feel how I want to feel. I, I, have always had the desire since I was a very, very young child to write a book. And I think that's like something that has never, that's been on that list, that journal since I can remember. And it's like, okay, so why aren't you doing that thing? You know, like we, we put off these things, right? We're like, Oh, I'll do it next year. or I'll do it when I have this time or this or this or this. And I think that's the other thing it brought to light for me is like the things that we most deeply desire. Why are we not living our lives to achieve those things, you know? Do you know why for yourself? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it comes down to like fears and things that I tell myself and that we all tell ourselves that hold us back. I'm too busy with client work or I don't know what to say or nobody's going to want to read that or whatever the thing is. Um, But yeah, I think it comes down to fears and the stories we repeat over and over and over in our heads, criticizing ourselves or you know, I'm sure you've seen a lot with people with getting their photos taken mm-hmm. um, that stop us from going after what we truly, deeply want and desire. And I think that's the bridge right there is recognizing whatever it is that stops us. And I, I agree that I think for so many of us, it's fear, even the fear of, I think it's a way that we can talk to ourselves. Well, if I never start it, I'll never fail, which is so yeah. defeatist. <laughs> but I think it's, I know for myself, that's been huge. Just like, I'll talk myself out of doing the thing that I really want to do or I'll try it. And at the first, the first blip, I'll be like, well, it just, I just, it's just, just never going to work. It's just not going to almost like it's doomed instead of what you just said about the possibilities. And that is such a man, it's such a block being able to first be honest. So recognizing who we are, what we want. And then being able to work toward it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually to your point, um, a lot of the work is overcoming or rewriting the story of those fears and like kind of diving in a little bit and figuring out where they came from, because it's so funny how the little tiny thing that your parent said to you when you were eight years old is still nagging at you today. And like, sometimes you don't even know that it's the thing that is holding you back from, from getting to where you want to go. You know what I mean? Like I can remember being a kid and having like this moment where an idea I had, which I was so super excited about was, I wouldn't say it was criticized, but it was sort of like, well, let's be logical. Like, let's really think this through. Let's sit down, (laughs) go back and put together a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint and then represent the idea. And in that moment, like that excitement was so deflated, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's what I fear. You know, I'm like, I don't want to get excited about something and be like the only one that's excited about it and have somebody squelch it. It it takes a little bit of exploration, I think, and thinking like, well, where did this story even come from? You know, like who put that in my head or what, when did I put that in my head? Um, and choosing, okay, I'm not, that's like, that's from eight-year-old me. And I don't need that now as 35-year-old me. <laughs> Tell me though, were you able to identify that just doing the work yourself or did you need somebody to kind of help you through to get there? Cause that's a lot of work. No, I think I found that one on my own. Uh, I think what happened is I actually was really excited one day about something I'd written and I sent it to another writer friend and it came back redlined. Like (laughs) I did not ask for feedback. I didn't ask for like the neck, you know, I was like, this is just so exciting. And I sent it to her and I got it back and it was all redlined. And I was like, Oh my God, I am never like, I never want to send out a piece of writing again, (laughs) because this is an awful feeling. And it was like in that moment where I really, I think connected the dots for myself. But I think, you know, for a lot of people, I don't, I, I mean, journaling is a great way to do it. Meditating, thinking, you know, working with a life coach or somebody with like EFT, that kind of thing would probably really help it to come out if you couldn't identify it. Um, I wonder, do you tell yourself, do you find yourself hearing the same voice in your head? 
Yeah. I think people call it like the inner critic, you know, but it's really just like those broken soundtracks we all have. And I love, there's a lot of techniques that people use to to overcome it. Like being like, yeah, you're fired. Like (laughs) saying to your inner critic, you're fired and your, your input is not needed here. Um, I thought of this fun, actually, I learned it from a book called, uh, I can't remember the name, but the author is Tara Moore. And she talks about giving your inner critic like a true persona. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille, but there's a food critic in Ratatouille and he's like never pleased. Okay. You bring him out like the most fine French dining cuisine. And he's like, nope, not good enough. And so I always like to picture my inner critic like that. He is sitting there piously turning away thing after thing after thing. And so when he comes to visit, I'm like, no this is good enough. Like, this is fine. No one has taste buds like you, literally no one. And so we're going to put this out and it's going to be okay. And I think giving a character to it is actually one way to sort of see how it's just a thought. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's not as serious as you're making it out to be. It's a, it's a thought, you know, when you have multiple thoughts per day, many, you many, many. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You yes. get to choose them. I've heard somebody say in the same way, putting a face to it, but mm-hmm. they actually say they welcome it in. They say, come in. Oh yeah. I recognize you. Come on in. And yep. then just like, go ahead and do what you're going to do and get it yep. over with. Okay. Thanks. I'm going to go now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because what they had found is every time they tried to just stuff it down, that didn't work either. Yeah. So they yeah just some of them are very, it. some are very loud. <laughs> it's true. And persistent and persistent. It's true. And, but <laughs> the fact, I like that you said, it's just a thought because it is. And we are the ones who give life to it because we are the ones carrying it around. Yeah. And we, I mean, we do this all the time to ourselves. We have, I think it's, I, I, I do not want, I'm no scientist, but I think it's like 80,000 thoughts a day, I think. And we label them. Oh, that's a good thought. Oh, that's a bad thought. Oh, that's a good thought. Oh, that's a bad thought. Like all the time. You know what I mean? Like we're always telling ourselves like, no, don't think like that. You know what I mean? And they're like, our brains are probably like, why are you doing this? I'm literally just like a bunch of neurons firing around at random. (laughs) And you're telling me that this is good. And this is bad constantly. It's like, we just are judging every single thing that we're thinking all of the time, you know? Yeah. So maybe the, maybe the inner critic isn't bad. Maybe it's just a thought like, Yeah. Come on in, do your thing. And then I'll carry on. Right. And then you get to choose what you do with it. Just like with every other idea that's coming at you day after day, you get to choose what you want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting how powerful the subconscious is. And we think we're in such control (laughs) when in fact all this stuff going on behind the scenes has been dictating so much of our life. Did you find it? uh, Was it kind of a realization for you? Or did you know this all along and it just got a little bit deeper as you were doing this, working with this project? Yeah, I think this, I mean, I think really working with Casey is what helped me realize a lot of this stuff. Um, But I was, I don't think I had this awareness at all, like two years ago, I think 2020 to 2021 really helped me go deeper on, on these kinds of things with myself. So it's empowering, isn't it? To figure yeah, this and, stuff out. and scary. Sometimes yeah. you're like, wow, there was a big mess in here. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> How have you seen it impact your life? You know, it's funny you ask that. Um, I do think that I'm a far more positive person um, than I have ever been in my life. Like I still am just as hard on myself as everybody else. And I still am constantly like striving and striving and striving to get the next thing. So I still have work to do. Like, I feel like I have a problem with being content, but I used to be, I used to really allow like the negative dialogue to just just dictate, you know what I mean? And I think I'm a lot better at that. Not perfect. Definitely not perfect. Um, but a lot better at it. You know, something that I think it seems like it's such a contradiction, but I think this feeds into it. I was listening to a podcast and the episode had to do with, Oh, what did they call it? Um, toxic positivity. Mm. And I think that there's such a balance, right? So we have this one side where we're constantly telling ourselves what we should be, what we are not, and why we can never be the thing that we should be. And at the same time, if, if we allow the, the other dictate to be, just be happy with everything, 
just everything's good. Everything's fine. Well, when it's good and fine, that's good. And I do believe that we should, we are better off looking for the good where it's mm-hmm. there, but mm-hmm. having these conflicting emotions all of the time, it's just like, how do you know what's true for one? Yeah. And then how do you know where to go? Because you're either wrestling with the guy who's telling you you're, you're never going to be good enough or the one who's telling you you're complaining too much and you should just be happy all the time. How is that supposed to work? <laughs> I know. And I think toxic, toxic po- positivity also doesn't give air to some of the things that we are part of the human experience. Like, right. I think so much of this is just about being present and self-aware and like n- knowing thyself. You know what I mean? Like, because you're right when people are, I mean, I, I fall into it too sometimes, or I like try to be like a little bit Pollyanna ish. And it's like, sometimes you just need to be real and not and live in like la la land. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah. And, and there may be people that do not agree with that and like think that la la land is fantastic. Um, but I, I don't think that it makes you entirely in touch with others. I don't think it entirely makes you in touch with yourself and what you're really feeling and going through. And to me, it's a little disconnected, you know? So yes. I think that there's a balance and it can be disingenuous because it seems to me at least in my experience, the times that I felt pressured to be like that, just like, I'm just so grateful for everything, every little thing. And I'm fine all the time. Who wants to be around someone like that? It's just not a sincere way of being unless it is. And I suppose Mm -hmm. there may be people who have primarily positive experiences, but then they come out as being sincerely that way. Mm -hmm. I think when we show up any other way, I hate to say stuff like this, but authentic, (laughs) all these little tag words, right? But if it's true, if all we're trying to do is fit into whatever mold is there, people know they can. Yeah, I think you I mean, again, like I don't love that word either. It's tossed around so much, but um, it is about being like genuine, you know, and and even if you are going, of course, we all know this and it does help any negative experience when you come at it through. Well, how? could this actually end up benefiting me or being better in the end? Like this, this might be awful right now, but chances are it will probably not be so awful on the other side, you know? And so that, that is what I think of when I think of positivity. It's like, even when you're hurting, even when you're in the deep depths, you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, there is hope on the other side. And you are able to say, okay, I am going to think positively of this. Yes. Maybe, maybe not in this moment, but there is going to be something good that comes out of it. Really like going back to what we had said before, like really removing the, the obstacles mentally that are holding you back where it's like, it just doesn't have any attachments anymore. And I think that in and of itself helps us as human beings be so relieved that it's so much easier to strive towards those things. Like there is an immense amount of pressure and a lot of negative pressure on achieving goals and beating ourselves up when we don't get to where we want to go and we don't get there as fast as we want to go. And so by simply just like releasing it, it's like it, it helps things to happen easier and faster, I think. And on the positive, on the seeing things in a positive light, I think the more we see the positive, the more we're going to keep following those breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? So like yes. when things, you know, it's like when things are going well, things continue to keep going well because you yes. keep seeing all the things that are going well. Yes. And then it's like, and maybe that leads to new opportunities because there's people that are attracted to that. And they say, well, I want you to be part of my team. And then suddenly you got a $150,000 a year job because you, you know, you were like bright and sunny one day at the cafe instead of glum and, and down. So yeah. it's things like that, where it's like, is that really what's happening? I don't know. But it certainly can't hurt. Right. <laughs> right. I am a firm believer that what, whatever you feed grows. Right. So in line with the need to be positive, I don't want to diminish the power of that at all, at all. I absolutely do believe that recognizing that we can accomplish pretty much whatever we want to accomplish is powerful along with the work that we're willing to do. I think exactly what you described that as we, once we make that decision and we start living that life, we automatically do draw to us experiences and people that will continue to feed that because we've already started it. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. 
I think it's tough because in the entrepreneurial world, we see so many of these like courses and workshops and influencers be like, you know, I sat back and did a course that made me hundreds of thousands of dollars and you could do it too. And I do think that those things work. Of course, we all know that they work, but it's not necessarily going to be your path. You know what I mean? And so I think like it's important to look at those things and say like, is that really what I want. You know what I mean? But I do think that there's a lot out there that says like, basically you can just sit back and roll in the millions. <laughs> and I'm sure that that works for some people because I've seen it work for some people. Everything that they put down is like, they have the Midas touch and it turns to gold. But I bet you that they had hardships in their life, that they had to struggle a little bit to get to where they are. I bet that they changed their role and started to attract the right people into their lives that gave them those ideas and helped them bring those ideas into fruition. You know, it's, it's just like, we don't get to see that. We just see like them sitting back, making the money. <laughs> right. Right. And I think it comes, I think it comes down to like, again, this is a cliche, but to asking yourself like, well, why do I want this? Why do I want this? Why do I want this? And I think when you get to the point where you're like, I just want it, like, I just want this. Yes. Then that's like, okay, that's the real thing, you know? Yes. And I feel like that that truth in yourself is incredibly powerful. I mean, I know that for instance, I've done a dozen, dozens of different jobs and whatever, you know, I was good at it. I wasn't good at it, whatever, but I know that when I am photographing someone and I get to show them who they are, how they want to be seen, it is just like, it flows through me. Yeah. And that's about as woo woo as I'm ever going to get, but honestly, it is just an amazing experience. And it took me a long time to recognize that for one, that's what I wanted to do and that it was okay to do it. Like, I totally hear you on that. And that's the same thing for me with, with writing. Like I had so many iterations of my business before saying like, no, this is really what I want it to be. And not only that, like you, I have had, I mean, I've had like 42 jobs, I think in my life, (laughs) it's a disgusting amount. Um, because I just never knew what I wanted. And so I would always like jump around from job to job, trying to find like that fulfillment. But when I, when I sit and look at them, like one of the common threads in so many of them is yes, I was helping people with marketing or whatever, but so many of them, the common thread is that I would write things for people. And I'm like, oh my God, how did I, I even had a job as a copywriter and I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I didn't know that I was writing as a job. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, how, no, how did that happen? (laughs) Yeah. I was writing, I was a copywriter for, um, Eastern mountain sports. And I don't think I put two and two together that this is actually making your living as a writer. You know what I mean? Like, I just was like, oh, like I didn't, I I just think I didn't even know what I didn't know. And so when I changed my, when I pivoted in my own business, I started like just doing marketing. Well, first it was like virtual assisting. Then it was like, well, I don't like this. I, I really like the marketing side of things. And then it was like, okay, I don't like taking over every single piece of your marketing. I really like the content writing part. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been there all along. It just took, it's like you said, like when, when I'm in that space, I'm just like flowing, you know, and it took a lot of denial <laughs> and a lot of like realization that that's really what it was. And it's very scary when you admit it to yourself and you're like, okay, now I have to go on in all in on this thing because everything else is really painful. (laughs) So now I have to go all in on this thing and like hope that this works. And this is what people really want from me. You know, tell me about the response that you have had since that realization though. It's been so like, it, it was simply a matter of me just being like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. And then I just, took on different jobs and different projects. Again, like it's about like following the breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? Like really looking at, like I was getting projects in content writing. I just didn't say, well, that's all I take, you know? And so I think it was just a matter of like closing the door and being like, well, from here on out, this is all I take. And it's been amazing. It's been great. I mean, I, I, have no complaints. And my business is, is probably busier and more fulfilling than ever, Nice, but busy in a good way, like busy in a way that's not just like juggling 80 million things. It's busy in a way that like, I feel more in control of, you know? Yes. Do you feel as though 
giving up those other things that were possibly contributing to your household income. Was that uncomfortable for logistic reasons as well? I mean, yes. One of my retainers was $2,200 a month. And so that's a, like when you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like that's pretty significant. Yes, it um, is. But I, and, and this is probably a fault of mine and my husband probably does not like this, but I always trust that things are going to work out and that something is going to be behind the thing that you say no to. So like I have just always had, and that's, that's probably why I've been through so many jobs and, and iterations is I just always trust the next thing is going to be, is going to be right behind this thing. You know, like as soon as you close one door, I I've always believed that another one will open. What about obligation? Did you put pressure on yourself because you had these other clients? Was that difficult for you? And the reason I'm asking is for anyone who's listening, who feels that sort of frustration or that stuckness, I just made up a word stuckness. Stuckness. (laughs) They're feeling stuck, but it's the job they have. And it, it is not just paying the bills, but if we're doing a job for a long enough time, it does become part of our identity. So was that difficult for you, even the emotional part of having to tell people no, or did you just know it's time? For that, I was already like, so, you know, I had, I had a retail shop and I was already like, so in flux with like morphing myself into the next, into the next thing oh. that it, it was so much easier. I think just cause my, that time was very fluid for me. Like it was like, I don't know. I I went from real estate to virtual assistant to marketing person to finally figuring it out. Um, So that was, and that's never been too much of a problem for me. I just, I can easily say like, all right, this is now what I'm doing. But I do want to say to your point of when people are in a job and they're bringing in income and putting food on the table for their family, I would never be the person that's like, yeah, you should just go follow your dreams and quit your job. Like there is an element of needing to make a decision and taking a step towards that. But I'm also not under any, any guise that it should be an irrational decision. That's not like based in like, okay, we actually have, you know, a buffer in our bank account and we can afford to, to have me not work for a month or whatever the thing is, you know, like, well, give me some time while I figure this out that needs to be in place. You know what I mean? So sometimes that looks like a lot of like working during the day and working at night to make your dream come true. Like that is just a reality for a lot of people. It's a balance. Did it impact any of your relationships as you kind of whittled away what you were no longer going to do? You know, clients are clients. In some cases, clients have been friends. And I think those ones, the clients that are friends, it didn't impact my relationship with them. They're just kind of cheering you on and and rooting you on. The clients that were clients, you don't hear from them again, you know, and it's like, it's a little sad, but at the same time, they have their business. Like it is a business and everybody is running their businesses and it's, they need to make the best decision for their own as well. And so they will find somebody to replace, you know, what you were doing. And I think that's another thing we, we, I actually watched recently somebody get really hung up on like firing clients, I'm going to say, and she just had such a hard time with it. And what you, what we sometimes don't realize is like, people are going to still run their businesses. They're going to find somebody to replace us. And I know it feels hard and it feels like we should be like their number one, the only person that can do this job right for them but they're going to keep carrying on too. You know what I mean? And, and they want what's best for you. And when we all do what we're good at and like what we love, we show up better for our clients and we're giving them better service and better value, you know, rather than if I'm like, Oh my God, I hate this. (laughs) It's just a big, big difference in how you even perform your tasks. Yes. Now that we are talking about business, but we started off talking about the things that we tell ourselves and how that ends up running into our business. And that is where we're at now, but going back to that and the the voice in our head or inner critic, have you found that as you have addressed those beliefs and you've shifted them, has that affected your life overall outside of your business as well? Yeah. Some of them for sure. Like I think, you know, feelings around like worthiness and, and things like that, um, have definitely, shifted. It's hard to answer this question because our lives have changed so much in the past two years due to not really having the same 
interactions in the world, you know, everything has been so changed as a, as a society, but I don't know, I couldn't like give you a tangible result, you know? Do you feel different though? Can you ask the question again? Yeah. Do you feel differently about yourself as a result of the, the work that it sounds like you have done? I feel differently about my abilities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I def- definitely feel differently about myself as a person. And I think that goes back to that worthiness thing. Like I, like I said, there, when I found, <laughs> when I found the gold mine of things I needed to work on, I was like, wow, there is a lot of things in here. <laughs> um, and I'm working with somebody right now to really help like some of those, those deeper beliefs of belonging and worthiness and, and things like that. But I definitely feel differently about my abilities. Good. That's a good place to start for sure. You mentioned EFT tapping and I've experienced that in, in this vein of being able to rewire my thinking and the same experience. I just, I knew things were not going well, but there was nothing I could point to as, Oh, it's this, like, what is that all about? And then being, doing that work was, it, it was unbelievable, the difference from then yeah. and now. And that's why I ask because I have seen such a shift in my relationships. Um, people just treat me differently for seemingly Ooh. no reason. <laughs> yeah. How so? I'm so curious. Um, I expect differently. I don't think I'm better than anybody else at all but I no longer think that everyone is better than me either. So I don't have to be better. I don't have to prove that I'm, that I see myself as nothing. It's just, I'm just doing the things I'm doing in my life. Mm, I love that. And you know, that's such a weird thing because I would never have thought of myself as a selfish person, but the fact was, I was totally always thinking about what thing, what people were thinking about me constantly being concerned about was I doing the right thing? Was I showing up the right way? Did they, do they like me? What can I do? So even though I really didn't like much about myself, I was only thinking about myself all the time. And now that's just not even on the table. Now I know what my goals are. I know the type of person I want to be. And I just try to be that person. And Mm -hmm. so the relationships that I have, there's just a level of calm I was going to say respect, but I think it's just calm because it's not like they all respect me more, but it's it's fine. Everything is fine. Yeah. It's so funny. Sometimes when we look outside ourselves and we are like, that person needs to change and, and be this way towards me when really it's so much about ourselves and, and that we need to change. And, you know, to your point of like thinking that everybody is thinking about you, it's so funny. Yesterday I was part of something where people were giving feedback and we do this and she built this where we, um, have peer groups and people give feedback to one another on, on things that they're struggling with. And I noticed so many people like kind of turned it to be about themselves. And I was like, so interesting. Cause I am so sensitive to that. Like I try to never do that to people. I do it. Cause I'm like, I, we all want to sympathize and relate to one another, but I'm like, when I do it, I'm like, stop, 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 stop. You know, like I'm very sensitive to it. And I was thinking like, these people don't even notice that they're doing this. And it's because while you and I are sitting there busy thinking about ourselves and how we're showing up and are we acting to, you know, curious or not curious enough or asking the right questions, people are just thinking about themselves. They're just thinking about themselves. (laughs) Right. You have mentioned that in one of your episodes in your podcast, that very thing, the idea of people just allowing others to express themselves and make it just let it, you're not even making it about them. You're just letting it be about them because that's what it's about. And that drive to empathize and to show compassion can so easily slip into me too. And it's about me (laughs) and it's, it's not as supportive as we might think it is. And it's just fascinating to see how that stuff that's going on in our minds and in our hearts from wherever can just dictate our life as long as we don't know what's doing it and just sort of mm-hmm. runs on auto autopilot. 
it's like, we really need to rewire because your brain just is like, I like this pathway. It's comfortable. I go right. here every day. <laughs> and so it's like, nope. It, it's like, uh, like a well manicured ski hill. You know what I mean? Like, obviously it's so much easier to ski down that well manicured ski hill that already has the track worn. But when you try to go off piste into the woods, it's like, Ooh, this is tough, yes. you know? And so that's like literally what we're doing to our brains when we do things like EFT, when we do any of that subconscious work. Yes. I, I, I would never have known the power behind that. There's other like PTSD work that people can do that does the same thing. It just takes mm-hmm. the memories and puts it where it ought to be. So the mind can work the way it ought to work in a healthy, mm-hmm. vibrant way, instead mm-hmm. of just what's familiar. And, and we say things like that, right? Like, uh, it's my, it's comfortable, but is it, or is it just what we know? It's just familiar, yeah. right? We just keep doing the same thing and we don't even know what else we could be doing, which makes me think of what you said earlier about possibilities. The possibilities are endless. Do you feel that way now? I heard a really great, uh, her name is Angela Lucier and she's the owner of speaker sisterhood. And she uses something called the outcome playing field. I think you're going to like this. So it's like a football field. And on one side of the football field, there's let's say your wildest dream of a possibility. Okay. (laughs) And then on the other side, it's like your worst, worst case scenario. And for me, let's just say it's like living in my car, which still is not terrible. Okay. So, but she like kind of uses that to show you like the breadth of possibility that is between your, like, imagine you win the lottery, you know, and you're like live in this beautiful house in Hawaii. That's like, everybody's going to have a different, amazing dream, but let's say that's mine. And like the worst one is living in my car. Like there's huge space between those two things. And I loved that. I so love that she uses it for like a decision that you have to make when you're like fearful of making the decision or, um, taking an action. It's like this action could get me anywhere in this spectrum. You know what I mean? Like it's very, very vast. And, and there are, she, she fills in every single like possibility that could happen with this decision. Like sitting down to write a book is a great example. She'll be like, well, everybody could hate the book and I could lose my entire reputation and never have work again in my life. That's like worst case. And then the other one is like, everybody buys it. It's a New York times bestseller. I'm on Oprah talking about it. You know what I mean? And so there's just like this huge space between those things, which is like, well, maybe I just sell 25 on Amazon and I fulfilled a dream, you know, like maybe that's somewhere in there. (laughs) Maybe just my family reads the book and tells me, oh my gosh, I I'm so happy to know more about you. Maybe that's an outcome. So I think I answered your question with a resounding yes, but yeah, I love thinking of it that way. That is so good. And really how often is it the worst case scenario? Oh my (laughs) gosh. Like never. I know. I know. You mentioned your, she built this group and I, I so often talk about you on this podcast because for one, you've introduced me to so many people. Thank you for that. And the work that you do, it's one of the easiest groups for me to send people to because of the energy that you have initiated and you very modestly have said many times, it is the work of everyone, which I understand that, but because you have taken that lead and you've provided the space, it's pretty remarkable. It's well, thank a, you. a very active feeling group, very energetic and positive. So could you just talk a little bit about what's, what that is, if you want to, and what things might be coming up events or goals that you're working toward? Sure. Because I just made a big, uh, decision over the weekend. Well, announcement of the decision I'd made previously. Um, so thank you for, for all your kind words about the, she built this group. And I stand by the fact that it is a collaborative effort of us all coming together and just realizing that you don't get every single space on the internet to be real and be yourself. And this is the space that you can do that. And people cheer you on in that. Um, so it, it's grown to 1500, which I think is very exciting. And I started last year at exactly this time, a VIP group, which is kind of like she built this elevated with more perks and benefits and workshops and resources and things like that. And over the year, 
the groups have been separated and it was starting to feel, well, first of all, people were feeling very confused about where do I post? Do I post in this group or do I post in this group? And I was watching just like the feeling change in the, in the larger group of, of, well, now the VIP feels really like exclusive where I want to be inclusive. Like my mission is to bring more people together and like have us all be together, you know? So I'm actually bringing the two groups back together and, and in doing so the VIPs are, there's still that VIP option, which gives you like all access to all the things at no cost, no additional cost. Um, but I'm adding in two new tiers, which are going to make it so that people can get like more visibility and it's at more accessible pricing. So for example, like the online directory, I would love to have an online directory of like all the women business owners in that group. But you know, the price of the VIP to get that, that listing spot is probably a little out of reach for some people. And so I've made that like really, really affordable so that if all you want is a listing, you can get a listing and people can search the directory. They can like search you by industry. They can find you, you know, see your picture, um, and get to all your links, like your social links all in that one spot. And then the other tier I added was just like access to the peer groups, which people find super, super beneficial because it's like a group of people working together on the goals that they want to be held accountable to and helping each other when they, when they struggle with something. Um, and then the workshops. So there's now three levels where it's like, okay, if you don't want to go and get all the things, um, you can start at these other two levels and, and kind of go that way. And I think bringing the two together is going to help create that like cohesion again, that I was like, you know, something was off and I couldn't figure out what it was. And it was, it's been driving me bonkers (laughs) for months, months and months and months and months. Um, and I finally was like, I think it's because I was drifting away from the real mission and purpose of the group, which is like, together, not separate, you know? And so I was like literally spending my time building this whole separate thing where the key was bringing everybody back together. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> very, very cool. Especially with such a large group to be, what a resource you provide. And it's not just people in the New Hampshire area. Right. It's, it's, I mean, there's somebody in Australia, um, is the furthest away I can think. Well, anybody who hasn't yet checked into it, they really should. It's just such a, it is an inclusive group. It feels like everyone is welcome and that there is a standard that's expected of respectfulness and genuine support. And yeah, what a great you. place you've described it before. Like you wanted it to be the, a coffee shop environment where people can just be together and encourage one another. And it does feel like that. You were one of the first people, if not the first person I've ever had on the show. And I have seen you grow in many ways, not just in the size of the group, but in your focus. And that of course affects the way you present yourself. You just Aww, thank like, you. Yeah. You I hope have, that's a good thing. <laughs> it is. I wonder if the answer would be different now. So let me just ask you, given all that you've accomplished, especially the work that you've done personally, how would you answer the question? How do you want to be seen now? I think, I think my answer stays the same. Um, I think my original answer was that I want to be seen as authentic and loving. Um, and again, like I don't love the word authentic, but it's the only honest, I guess, honest. Yeah. Um, honest and loving and, and inclusive making space for people and, and whatever they bring, you know? Well, thanks for really, thanks for what you do. Thank you for the time you took today. And I'm so interested. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation and the work that you're doing, because I know for myself, I'm still doing it. And there are a lot of other people I know really just trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it is, right? Who, Who am I really? And it can be really fun, empowering work. So, yeah, I agree because we're all like at our core, we're all, we're all so much more than all the, the beliefs that we allow to kind of like bog us down, you know? Yes. And once we take control of it, we really can be whoever we want to be. Yeah. And we get to decide. So thank you. And thanks for the time once again that you've given me today. 
Well, thank you, Lisa. It's always a pleasure, as I know I tell you often. (laughs) Yes, thank you. As I was listening to and editing this episode, I was a little taken back by my own my own insecurities and you know I've been working on this stuff more recently pretty determinedly and yet this is what happened I wanted to do a cross-country road trip that incorporated collaborating with people I've met on this podcast and people I've worked with in the past photographing women and families generations all around the country everyone I talked to every single person I expressed this to without fail said that's beautiful that is such a great idea and some of these people were people that would not have called themselves friends of mine they would have no reason to just pat me on the back and tell me good job they were genuinely interested in what I was doing and yet what did I do I allowed the voice in my head to tell me This will never work. No one's going to pay you a non-refundable deposit. It's COVID. No one's going to want to do in-person events. This is not important to people. However, what happened was the few people I did reach out to all worked with me, all of them, (laughs) which just made me realize, well, of course they will. If people want the service I offer and I treat them with the respect they deserve, of course they'll want it. COVID does change things a bit. I have to be reassuring to them that I'm taking precautions, that I will do everything within my power to make sure they're safe. But that's it. That's the only difference. After this month-long road trip, I decided that this coming fall, fall of 2022, I want to do the three-month trip. I want to collaborate with people who serve women in business, to help them to appreciate the power of being seen, to ask themselves, how do you want to be seen in your business? I want to work with generations, grandmothers, mothers, daughters. I want to create beautiful, timeless, priceless portraits of them being together. And I know I can do it bit by bit, step by step, little by little. Thank you, Emily, for this conversation. And thank you, Mr. Godin, for that statement. It's got me thinking. It's got me planning for a long, long road trip. Until next time, please be safe, everyone. Be kind. And always thank you for listening.